Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I am Harriet Hendel. Today, we will meet two guests from Portland, Oregon, Leticia Longorio, Longoria Navarro and Victor Trillo. They are part of the Pathfinder Network. Leticia is the executive director of the network, having been a parole and a probation officer. She has a personal connection to the justice system, which we will hear about later on. Victor experienced the criminal justice system firsthand as he was incarcerated at age 19 and released at age 41, just about a year and a half ago. Let me just give my listeners a very brief overview of the Pathfinder Network. The Pathfinder Network provides justice system impacting impacted individuals and families the tools and support they need to thrive. They offer programs and services for incarcerated individuals through the Oregon Department of Corrections for parents, children, and families. One of their core beliefs is that all people have the capacity to change. Their mission is to give people a second chance. This nonprofit began in 1993. Welcome to you both to Pursuing Justice. Good to have you with us. Thank you for being with us. So Leticia, let me begin with you. Um, tell us much more than what I just covered about your organization. It certainly has many um, pathways, if you will. Tell us more. Yes, thank you. So the Pathfinder Network, like Harriet was mentioning, um, has been in existence for almost 30 years. We're getting ready to celebrate our 30 year anniversary next year. And our mission really is to walk alongside and really wrap around people who have been impacted by the criminal justice system. And we really strive to work with all members of the family. So we may have a participant that comes in, let's say, to take advantage of one of our parenting programs in the institution. Our, our hope is to also engage with other members of that individual's families, whether that be in our community programs or in some of our peer support programs. The idea is you know, that families that are impacted by the criminal justice system experience um, significant barriers um, and they need support and tools and assistance and someone to just be there as they navigate those barriers. So the Pathfinder Network really is about providing support services um, and someone really who understands what they're navigating to really help them get the things that they need, um, think about what they want the rest of their life to look like and create all different kinds of pathways. Each pathway looks different for the individual that we're working with, but help them really to co-create what that pathway looks like for them um, and to do everything we can to help them accomplish the things that are important to them and ultimately are gonna help them to experience um, a safe community and ultimately really be able to thrive. Um, so I'm really proud of the work that we do, uh, both because of my own lived experiences, but because of the impact that I've seen it have with individuals, with families, as well as the systems that we work in. It's been incredible to see how our work has influenced and helped transform our local systems, but also I think systems across the country. That's wonderful. How does your early life connect to the work that you're doing and have been doing for quite some time? 
Yeah, a core belief of the Pathfinder Network is really to center folks that are most impacted by the systems that we work in and around. So um, a lot of our staff and partners and stakeholders have lived experience, whether it's being a child of incarcerated parent, being formerly incarcerated, being um, someone who has a loved one that's impacted by the criminal justice system. So I bring my own lived experience as someone who has had incarcerated parents and other family members, um, loved ones impacted by the criminal justice system. So from a very early age, uh, I knew that I wanted to be a part of supporting people who had those experiences and really creating communities and really a world that was more accepting and supportive and helped folks uh, to re-enter society, be accepted by society, and ultimately have access to the things that they need to be able to be successful and to um, live the lives that they want to live um, and feel like they have a community and support in doing that. So my lived experience ultimately guided me to this work, informs the work that we do, and also inspires it because I have a, a familiarity with a lot of my coworkers and colleagues and community members who also um, make this work important in their lives. Right. You were uh, kind of, I, I guess you could say on both sides, you were a parole officer and awarded the parole officer of the year. Um, that's a very different kind of job. Um, tell us more about that and Tell us if it was a rewarding job for you and how so. Yeah, so I think professionally, I've been fortunate to have <clears throat> a bunch of different experiences that both inspire and inform my work. So when I um, was in graduate school, I actually worked inside prisons. That's where I started and learned a lot about the, the experiences and barriers that folks were experiencing. And one of the things that really stood out was um, people talking about the lack of support that they had once they released. So they had access to programs and um, interaction with volunteers and other supports within the institution, and they would come home and really lack that same support services programming. So I, I decided that I wanted to be engaged in doing community-based criminal justice work. Um, and so being a parole and probation officer, which is a professional who really receives individuals that are releasing from um, prisons and institutions and help them to both be successful but kind of develop a plan for how they're going to work their way out of the criminal justice system involvement so given that responsibility and that role it was very fulfilling to think about how i could um, almost reinvent and redesign that role to be much more strengths-based and holistic um, engaging with that person's family and community. And in the particular department that I worked for was given a lot of support and latitude to think about how I could do that parole and probation work. That's both a balance of like rules and authority and accountability, but also helping and guiding and supporting. So um, being able to do the work sometimes differently than people have experienced it. So I remember working with clients who were like, you know, this isn't how my other POs have interacted with me, or are you sure you're doing your job right? Like, this doesn't make sense. And so that part of it felt like I was, you know, creating different pathways to people's experience with the criminal justice system, but also increasing the competency of it, like changing one person's interaction with a, a system actor 
I saw it being just really impactful and beneficial in terms of people engaging, um, being successful, accomplishing their goals, um, being able to successfully complete supervision and not come back into the system. So I, I think it was a really important experience. It was critical in like my development uh, as a professional and I'm still guided today by the things that I learned and um, the people that I met and the experiences that I was able to um, have because of that role. That's, that sounds wonderful. Victor, we're your turn up here. Your early years certainly put you on a different path than the one you're on now. Can you tell us more about that time in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to say, though, that um, I'm not proud of my early years. I do not condone my early years. Um, it was a total life of destruction. It was a total life of treating others bad, misbehaving, uh, breaking the law, committing crimes, victimizing innocent people. And I speak to that from the perspective of a lot of hard work uh, and introspection that I've done on myself. <clears throat> I would say this, that my mother tried her best. I was raised by a single mother, wonderful woman who loved me and my sister unconditionally. Um, the social determinants in my life at the time, you know, we didn't have access to, you know, um, health care, housing. Um, you know, uh, I lacked a lot of support in my life. And ultimately, what I did lack was a father figure. Uh, my father was incarcerated. You know the vast majority of my teenage uh, and adolescence life and i yearned <clears throat> i yearned for my dad i yearned i yearned for my dad to the point where you know um i idolized my dad in terms of this was my lifestyle too i want to be just like my dad i want to go to prison um and i say that from total honesty today is i had a yearning i had a desperation to want to be incarcerated at a young age to follow in the footsteps of my father because mm -hmm. I missed him so much and I wanted him there. And it would hurt so much that um, my friends and even my family would have their father figures around and it would devastate me. And not knowing how to process, you know, my sadness, my anger, my irritation, um, I chose to process it by victimization by hurting other people and by myself at a young age abusing drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. and it's something that <clears throat> i'm not proud of today but even though you you talk about those early years and and days um that certainly helps you in what you're doing right now right so tell us um what you're doing you you lead an after school club at Park Rose High School in Portland. Um, and it's a special kind of club. So I want you to tell us about it and tell us why that particular club is so important to the students who come to the club. Yeah, no doubt. I am beyond uh, <clears throat> blessed, grateful to be the lead facilitator of the Pathfinder Club. And I do want to point out the path in there stands for paving a trail of hope. Oh. It, this club is so important to me because I see little victors in the youth <laughs> that I work with. You know, I see little Monica's, which is my older sister, and the the young uh, ladies that I work with. Mm 
And the club, what it is, is designed as an outlet. It's a space where you can express yourself freely and to not be judged by your expressions. You know, it's a club where you can come and find safety. You know, it's a club where not only can we meet your needs there by providing healthy outlets for self-expression through art, through community building, through writing exercises. It's also a club that offers wraparound services through our Mentoring Inside Out program. So for a youth that, you know, um, needs additional resources and services, we can actually do an internal referral and have the youth work directly with one of our mentors, myself, or another mentor, if it's a young lady, uh, one of our, our women our staff members here at TPN, that they can work with them individually. Um, and ultimately, our goal is to unite the family and to provide resources of encouragement to do good in school and to get good grades and help them improve their grades by um, assisting them with homework, assisting them with support, uh, providing basic needs to the family, groceries, shoes, mm. uh, clothes. So, but the club is so important because uh, I didn't have an outlet. Well, outlets were available rather when I was young, but I chose not to engage in those outlets. And the difference about our club is that we have uh, staff members, facilitators like myself and the staff that work with me there who have lived experience, who can relate to the young teens, who can relate. We may not know exactly what they're going to, but we can relate with the stigma, the shame, the sadness, the anger of having a parent, a family member, a cousin, somebody who has been affected by incarceration, deportation, and or detention. We can relate to that and we can sit in space with them and we can have those conversations and those voices could be uplifted. Now, is this, I, I want you to, to be clear about the kind of club it is. Is it targeted just for high school kids with a loved one in prison or is it wider than that? So the club, it stands, it's for the Pathfinder Club. And what it, it, what it, what it has to do with is those youth who have been affected by incarceration, deportation, or detention. So it's a club geared towards those who have a loved one or somebody that has been, you know, endured those detention, deportation, or incarceration. I see. I see. Um, and is it, um, how do you get the kids to come to the club? Are they recruited or do they hear about it? Um, how does that work? So, you know, Leticia had this vision for a few years. She actually uh, could speak to it here uh, later or whenever she speaks again. Um, she went to Park Row School. Uh, so fortunately, going forward, you know, this is something that she felt in her heart that a space was needed. And when I applied for the position, you know, I was asked, you know, how do you feel about working with youth that have been impacted? I said immediately, I said, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. So Leticia already had established a rapport at Park Row School with the administration. And when I got hired on with me and my coworker, what we did is we, we did tabling sessions. So we would go to the school during lunchtime and we would meet the youth. We would meet the youth and we'll pass out material as to what this club consisted of. We would meet staff 
you know, we gave presentation and, and classrooms about what the club was, what it consisted of. And what we're doing is just we're just promoting and spreading the opportunity or rather a space where the kids could come, where the youth could come after school, you know, to be able to self-express. So a lot of it had to do with PR, the personal relations, as well as promoting and establishing reports with staff and administration there at the school. Do some of the kids who are in the club, do they recruit other kids, you know, and say, maybe you'd like to come with me to the club? You know, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you lifted that up right now because, you know, in essence, that's what our ultimate goal is, is that the youth actually uh, take the club and, and make it theirs and promote it themselves. And yes, that's exactly what happened. You know, there's young ladies, young, young, young youth in there that are um, actually telling their friends about it. And it's so mind boggling and like so astonishing to see that youth will bring their friends. And we encourage that, like, hey, bring somebody with you. If you're if you feel uncomfortable being in a space, you know, you're more than welcome. Bring a support. Bring, you know, uh, Joe, bring Kim, bring, bring Bill. And, you know, we honor that and respect that. You know, and one of the things I would like to point out is that what makes our club so so unique and so amazing is that, you know, we offer every club like a gourmet meal. Oh, we have, we, yes, nice. yes, we actually cook and we involve the youth to say, "What do you guys want to eat?" We plan a menu, oh, um, nice. and we cook the food and take it to them. So you know, they come and they eat, and you know, and we listen to music and they share their stories, and we capture nice. some really good. Uh, material that you know we have a lot of support in um uh, publishing a book at the end of the year hope soon that's wonderful that is wonderful um i wanted you to speak to um the effects of having a mom a dad a sister a brother um who are locked up what what are the impacts of that? I mean, some, I'm sure our listeners can guess, but you know better what those um, impacts are. What would you say? Yeah, you know, um, for, I'm speaking from a firsthand experience and, um, you know, uh, low self-esteem. You know, I felt worthless. You know, I felt that it was uh, my fault that my dad wasn't around. You felt it was your fault. Wow. Yeah. I felt that, you know, you know, that my dad didn't want to be with me because, you know, when he would get out of prison, he'll, he'll reoffend shortly thereafter. And, you know, I carry that as, as a young, as a young youth, you know, and um, I really felt worthless. I felt that, you know, Hey, that, you know, my dad just might, must not want to be with me. Is it my fault? Am I a bad kid? You know, um, I talked a lot when I was young. You know, I kind of have that problem today as an adult, <laughs> just making people laugh. But no, um, no, in all honesty, you know, I, I, when I go back, as I said, I did a lot of introspection, a lot of work on my life. You know, um, I had low self-esteem, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't get those accolades, you know, that I wanted like, Hey, you're doing a good job. You know, I'm proud of you, son. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have my dad around and, and it devastated me. Um, and that ultimately, um, uh, you know, took my, my sense of, of belonging away. You know, I, I didn't feel accepted, you know? Um, yes, I had my mother trying to do her best, but at the same token, you know, man, uh, a young man, I, I wanted my dad. Sure. I wanted my dad around. Do you, do you see the feelings that you had as a young boy? Do you see them duplicated with the kids you work with? 
Absolutely. And this is what's so unique about the Pathfinder Club is that, you know, as we as we get to establish these bonds, um, you know, we hear stories, you know, we we capture art and poetry. I have a poem that I can share um, whenever time permits. Um, and this poem is just so touching. And it just is as young lady wrote this poem and she she gave me permission to read it. And it reminds me when I was a young boy of how much I craved my dad's attention too. Um, and, you know, we have people, you know, who would tell, you know, we have youth that will tell us, you know, maybe not in an open setting, but uh, will tell us, you know, how they've been affected, you know, how they miss their family and, you know, how they feel that, it, that you know, the criminal justice system is unfair um, through deportation and, and even detention. So, yeah, it's an open space where you hear a lot of sensitive um, information and, you know, we, we hold space for the youth and we're there to uplift them. And ultimately, um, it gives me a sense of purpose, a sense of worth that, hey, you know, I'm making a difference. My my past is not defining me because here I am, you know, I'm, I'm making a difference and helping these young youth, you know, blossom into uh, good adults, you know, law abiding citizens. But they, I think it, it's wonderful that you share an experience that they are living through. And that bridge makes it so much better uh, in terms of you relating to them and they're relating to you. So it couldn't be more, more perfect. And, and you're a role model. In addition to what you've lived through, you're, look where you are today. So uh, on, on many fronts, that's, that's wonderful. Now, we're almost out of time, but the two of you have said you would come back and do another program and tell us a lot more about the Pathfinder Network. So I'd, I'd love you to read the poem uh, when we yeah. re return. How, how long is the poem? Uh, I can read the poem right now. We have time. Okay, go ahead. So the poem is entitled, Dad. Big arms tattooed and bruised. A smile filled with right white crooked teeth. A blue do-rag always on. Someone taking pictures for my first day of school. Big, big fingers I could wrap my hand around. A scratchy voice from years of smoking. A voice I'll never hear again. Arms I will never get wrapped up in again. A smile I will never get again. A blue do-rag I'll never get to see him wear. First days of school long gone. Fingers wrapped around needles instead of my hands. A dad who was there every day turned into a memory. What a beautiful way to close our program today. Thank you. Thanks very much. Was that written by a student in the in the Pathfinder Club? Yes, that was written um, on our fifth session. Uh, a student, a young lady, walked up and handed to that poem to me. She said, "Please share this with the world." And you her did exact words. Thank and you. I talked to her this morning, and I said, "I'm sharing it." That's with great. the world today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Victor. Thank you both for being with us today and for sharing your experiences. And we have much more to cover next time on Pursuing Justice. 
please tune in and listen to us again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. You have been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. And I'm your host, Harriet.